What's going on, coaches? Summer Pride starting uh, in a lot of states, I would assume, this week if they haven't already started. I know we're getting uh, cranked up, fired up here this week. I believe Coach Walls as well. So excited to get after it with those kids and, um, you know, get work on their speed, work on their speed, work on their strength, not try to just run them into the dirt every day over the summer. Uh, kind of how it felt like uh, it was back whenever I was going through it. So excited to get these kids faster, stronger, um, and, and more comfortable with their position. So we're excited to get after it. We're here for you guys. If you need anything from us, reach out to us or, or go check out everything we're doing over at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder has recently launched a full year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that comes free with any Team Builder free trial. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a full year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that, again, is free with any Team Builder free trial. Visit their website and make sure you enter the code RTP to get their 52-week training program and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com, which is T-E-A-M-B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. As coaches, we all know the best way to represent our big win is with the championship ring, and the team at Legend Rings wants to help you celebrate your regional and state championship title this season. Their goal is to make your championship ring purchase simple, easy, and affordable from design to delivery. Check them out at legendrings.com or email info at legendrings.com to get started. Let them know that Run the Power sent you, and they will make your ring for free. Again, go check them out at legendrings.com. This episode of the RTP podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formation, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com RTP. Don't wait, go do it today. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Ken Vigdahl. Coach Vigdahl is the head coach at Lamar's Community High School in Lamar's, Iowa. Listen as we talk with Coach Vigdahl about building programs and leadership by building a culture and teaching mental performance and mindset. We also talk about the obstacles in taking over a new program. You guys can follow Coach Vigdahl on Twitter at KEVigdahl. Hope you guys enjoy. I don't know if anybody wants to remember my playing days or not, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so I grew up in a small town in, in north, uh, kind of north central Iowa called Armstrong and was able to uh, just play well enough to get a, uh, be able to go to the University of South Dakota and play and, 
and that's when little guys could play, I think, and, and slow guys could play. So we were able to spend, um, as my dad likes to refer to it, I, I crammed a five, four years into five and, uh, you know, finally graduated. I think he was probably happier than I was when I graduated, but uh, then was able to get a job in uh, central Iowa, a small town called Ogden, worked for a great coach. Uh, Larry Tryon was his name, and, and he taught me a lot about football and, and you know, the wing tee. And so I was a wing tee guy for a long, long time and went out and found every wing tee, wing tee thing I could find and made it to Sioux Center, Iowa as the head coach and, and had some uh, good years there and decided that, you know, I think I like it. Dork College was just starting up and uh football and it was like you know what if you it's in your town you don't have to drive you don't have to move your family let's take a shot at that and so hmm. uh i was i coached for dort for a couple of years and and you know it's it's it was great and and had a lot of fun but it was one of those things where you really never got to know the kids uh you know we kind of had some you know texas kids and oklahoma kids and you know when they find out that it gets 20 below in december I don't like to walk across campus, you know what I mean? And so, <laughs> you know, it was kind of, you know, in and out and stuff. And it was just, you really didn't get a whole ch a chance to really bond with them and, and things like that. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to where I started in Ogden as the head coach and smart started with a small number and was able to build uh, the program up in three or four years to be pretty respectable. And then uh, got a job as the offensive coordinator in Brookings. And in 2014, we were, we were uh, in the state championship game, lost in overtime to Yankton. And then two years later, you, you know, you kind of think you got life figured out and stuff. And two years later, we're sitting at 0-9. And, and you're walking off the field and you just think, wow, what just happened? And, you know, we dove into our culture. We picked it apart. We, we dissected everything from coaching to players to how we were handling everything. And, you know, we read Randy Jackson's books and, and all that stuff on culture. And we implemented a plan and, and we were just lucky enough, three years later, we we're in the semifinals, four years later, we we're in the state championship game. And, uh, and that's kind of where we're at. And now I'm on a new journey to where, uh, you know, I'm headed to Lamar's Iowa as their next head coach. And, you know, I couldn't be more excited. Coach, that's awesome. We've actually, you know, uh, we've got quite a few tie-ins uh, with you. Walls is from South Dakota, and he's in Iowa now. And um, one of my good friends, a guy that I used to coach with, Ben Dixon, uh, he actually played at Dort and then uh, just got done coaching at Dort a couple of years ago. And and now he's actually over in Nebraska as an offensive coordinator. So uh, we've got a lot of, of tie-ins with you, Coach. And Ben, I remember Ben when he played at Dort. I coached there. Well, he was a player and, you know, he was always a smart guy and stuff. And it was like, you know, that guy really understands uh, football and stuff. And so, yeah, I didn't realize Ben was back until I started looking around a little bit. And then all of a sudden I saw him back at Dort again. And, and that was awesome. And now I see that he's moved on. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of interesting how everybody crossed a path of, of somebody that knows somebody about you. Coach, man, I'm interested to ask you, you know, a couple of questions, I guess, you know, number one, you know, when you guys did kind of dive into the, the culture piece and, and understanding that, you know, like you said, Hey, we're, we're really talented one year, we're in the state finals. And then, you know, another year you're, you're going, you know, over, 
what were some of the things that you guys, you know, kind of figured out about yourself, or, you know, doing that, that soul search journey, and then obviously, you know, kind of rebuilding it back up and, and probably making it a lot more sustainable program, you know, something that, like you said, going semifinals, top four, top two, and, and kind of sitting there at the top. I know, you know, my hometown, you know, Pierre, my dad's always yep. telling me, you know, it's, you know, it's always kind of, you know, Pierre and Brookings and, and some of those, those programs up there have been, you know, consistently winners now for the last six, seven years. I think a lot of that has had to do with, you know, some of these big culture change and culture shifts for those programs. Well, I, I think the one thing that somebody told me once is your culture is what you allow. And I think during those years that we were so worried about numbers. And I think, a lot, you know, it's the time of the, that we have is it's like, you need a hundred kids out for football. You need 70 kids out for football, or you need 50 kids out for football, whatever your number is. And to withstand that and sustain that you want to, you know, maybe loosen the rope a little bit. You know, we need maybe two kids that really aren't bored on what we want to do, but we're going to let them in. And so I think that's, you know, when we kind of loosen the rope and let a lot of kids in and some of them were, you know, benefited the program and some of them, you know, probably took from the program. And then we kind of decided, okay, what are we going to live by? And I'll never forget reading Randy Jackson's book. And, and I came to light and it was like, what is this football team going to live by? And so, you know, a lot of people don't like to hear core values. I'm a big core value believer. Uh, We call it pound the stones uh, just due to the fact that our kids don't really know it by core values. They know it by, hey, we're going to tough people win and we're BCD and we're going to talk to ourselves, not listen to ourselves. And, and, you know, we're going to do those things. And I think we implemented that. The other thing is, you know, you got to have all your coaches on board. And, you know, we kind of put a plan together and we all said, this is what we're going to do. And, you know, when you went to our practice, you would hear 10 coaches, hey, tough people win, BCD, don't blame, complain and defend, you know, finish empty. All of those things that we kept saying and we just it was it's one of those things that I think when you're a kid and your mom and dad say it, you just get tired of hearing it, but it sinks in. You know, when, when you're little and your mom tells you 15 times, don't touch the stove because it's hot and you touch it and you're like, yeah, you're right. It was hot. And so you don't have to tell them again. And so it's just kind of one of those things that, you know, some people call it the daily fist fight. Some people say, you know, you preach to them or whatever, but you know, we had kind of not really, we had our own language and, and our kids understood it. And they understood that, you know what, as teammates, they deserve the best of you. Your teammates deserve the best of what you are. And, you know, it's just like you two guys and myself. You know, there's days when we go home and we've had school and we've had practice and it maybe went well, maybe it didn't. And your five-year-old kid runs up to you and wants to go outside and play catch or play Barbies or whatever they want to do. You got a choice. And your kids deserve the best of you. So you get up and you do it. Your wife, you know, you get home and you're tired and your wife says, let's go here. And you're like, that's like the last place I want to go but you do it because your wife and your kids and your family deserves the best of you. And so our kids started to buy into that concept concept and started to buy in. And, you know, it really was a family and, you know, let's be honest with you, offensive line, they don't get a lot of, you know, paper, you know, written about them, but you know what, they took pride in what they did. And, you know, they, they made holes and our running backs and our quarterbacks did what they were supposed to do. And so it just kind of all, 
balled up and it was kind of like, okay, this is us. And we made everything a competition. I mean, there wasn't anything that we didn't compete at. It didn't matter. You know, we have things called units and unit leaders. Uh, A lot of people, you know, you go to Texas or whatever, they call them platoons. And I always think of platoons as part of, you know, kind of more of the military type of stuff. A unit is a family unit. And so that's what we, we bought into was, okay, what's your unit? Your unit's doing this. We got, you know, it's your GPA. It's, it's, I don't care if it's a bag throw. I don't care if it's tire pulls. Hey, your unit has to win it. And so we kind of broke it down into core units. We broke it into everything's going to be a competition. Hey, we have practice partners. Where do you hear about practice partners? That is in the wrestling room. And I coach wrestling with a great guy named Scott Miller, but here's the deal. We, we started practice partners because if your football practice partner doesn't show up, doesn't communicate with anybody, doesn't text a coach, whatever conditioning we have for the day, you're doing it for him because it's going to be done. If we're running 500 yard dashes or whatever we're going to do, you're going to do it because your practice partner, it needs to be done. So you're going to do it for your practice partner. And we made the kids accountable for what they were doing. And so when we did that, I mean, it was just kind of like, here it goes. And it started to ball up. And I went and I became uh, a mental performance coach by uh, Brian Kane. And we talk about mindset, body language, green light, red light. We have a routine in the morning. So all of those things kind of made a plan. And when we started, it was a lot smaller. And as every year grew, we kind of grew with it and decided this is, you know, what's the next piece we're going to add to it. Coach, uh, I'd love to dive into a bunch of those things. Um, kind of my first big question, though, was you, you talk about core values, and and you know, I think as a coach, it's really easy to to um, you know see too many things being important. If that makes sense, like we want to be the strongest, and we want to be the fastest, and we want to be the yep. toughest, and and then it's like, okay, well, we also want to remember this word, and we want to, you know, there's you go around the country sometimes in these high schools, and there's 20 different core values or there's you know five core values and six of these things and seven because they're all great it's easy to add too many things was there a certain number when you guys were sitting down to say these need to be our core values these are our beliefs these are was there like a certain number you tried to keep it to uh where you did you try to stay you know conscious of of not having too many things what was that process like it, it, you know, for me and, and for me especially was, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I, I'm really not. And so five was all I could handle. So if all five, I can only remember five, that's all the kids are going to remember. It, it's kind of like this and in, in, in your play calls and, and, you know, for the people who can do it, awesome. When they call a play and there's 30 words in that play, great for them. For us, we keep our play call to a minimum of four to five words. That's all we want. If we can get a buy with one, that's what we want. But with our core values, we said five. That's what we want. And we're not going to talk about, you know, being example, the strongest or the fastest. We're going to talk about finishing empty. We're going to talk about you talk to yourself. Don't listen to yourself. And we're going to talk about BCD. And we're going to talk about tough people win. And that was pretty much it. I mean, it that that's kind of such a broad range a lot of things fit into that you know one guy told me a long time ago too i think the first guy i ever worked with said you can have four thousand rules and that's perfect but you have to enforce four thousand rules and the only rule that was on the top of his playbook was don't do anything detrimental to yourself or the team 
Well, that encompasses a lot of things. You know what I mean? Where you don't need a bunch. So, you know, for us, we, we said, you know, we're at a four or five and that's where we want to start. And you know what? It, it's kind of like you said, you kind of get to four or five and then maybe the next year it's six or seven is like, well, what are those other ones? What are else, what else are we supposed to remember? So we said four or five, that's it. And, you know, we're going to live by a couple. I, everywhere I go, I live by two. And I think it's one of those things you just got to live by. And that's tough people winning BCD. And then you allow the kids to create the other ones for you. You know what I mean? But I think as a coach, you know, I think you got to have the one that you want to live by. And then the other four or five, you know, are, are made by the kids. If the kids aren't making them, then you're really missing the mark too. You know what I mean? And I think when, and Randy Jackson always talks about it, when a lot of people that he hear, hears from for the first time after they do the core values, most of them do it wrong because the kids, the coaches come up and say, here's the seven things we're going to live by. Or like you said, here's the 25 things we're going to live by. I don't know about you, but I can't live by 25 things. I can, like I said, I can only remember four or five. And those are the four of the five that I'm going to get done every day. And that's what we're going to do. I think that's a great idea, Coach. And, and I think that's what one of the things that I always thought that Coach Walls did an unbelievable job of was um, with his coaches and his players made us really feel like, you know, we had some say in in everything, you know. And, and now I was smart and, and could kind of see him craft some things. I mean, he gave you two choices and he loved both choices or, you know, he could kind of – he knew how to sway a room so he could sway yeah. a room into thinking what he <laughs> – you get done what he wanted done, but he, he made, made us feel like we were the ones or that we had a lot of input into it. Or, you know, like I said, took two things. They both loved them both and let us choose between them. Cause it doesn't really matter anyway. So, um, you know, I, I think that that is, it's great. And you get so much buy-in from kids and coaches and, and everyone when they've got a, you know, some, some skin in the game. Well, and I think if you don't, lead them down the path you want them to go they don't know and you might not know you know what i mean but it's exactly right you lead them down the path and just like you said you got two choices both of them are great does the coach really care which one he picks no and so that that's perfect and and like you like we have peak performance training in the spring and that's where we start shaping their thought process into what do we want for our core values you know what i mean and so that's how we kind of get away with it. And we kind of, you know, this is what we're thinking. This is, you know, what's everybody thinking? What's, what's this, what are these guys thinking? And then before you get it all in that circle, you get, you get what you want. You know what I mean? And so you're exactly right. The kids are thinking they're the ones that created it, but you've actually led them to where you wanted them to go. I love the, uh, the comment. And the, the saying, you know, you know, talk to yourself, don't listen to yourself. I, I feel like, you know, through all these years of, of coaching, you know, you find so many kids, especially, you know, coach being at a, a middle school level like yourself and, and I'm dealing with, you know, high school kids from a, a wide variety of backgrounds and freshmen, you know, all the way up to seniors. And, and one of the things a lot of, of kids have said throughout those years is, is coach, you know, how do I build confidence? And I think a lot of guys are like, ah, oh, you know, it's something that just kind of comes, you get in the weight room and, you know, I just think eventually you'll have some confidence, but I think a lot of it goes back to that point. You you've said a lot of coaches have said, but teaching kids how to talk to themselves and, and teaching kids that it's, it's okay to, to be confident. It's okay to be dominant. 
but I think so many kids these days don't get that training or they're, or they're not told these things that we, we spend a lot of time showing these guys how to carry themselves, that it's okay to be dominant. It's okay to be physical. It's okay to be tough because I think so many places in their lives, uh, their lives, you know, especially like in the classroom, they're told to, you know, sit down, be quiet. Yeah. Don't, don't do these things, you know, don't, don't be rambunctious that I feel like I have to like kind of break them out of this shell. So I, I love that point that you do there, but, you know, can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the things you guys are doing to, to instill that to your kids? Like, Hey, don't think negative thoughts. Don't listen to yourself. You could do this. You could be tough. You could be dominant. I think, I think it's a huge coaching point in it. And it's a huge thing, especially when you have younger athletes to really push them to that next level. Well, I think the beauty of, of me not coaching track at the high school level is the fact that we start a mini session of this in middle school track. We talk about flipping the switch. We talk, and I let, you know, we do this and that. And then when they're done stretching, they lay on their back. And then we talk about all the things that you're just talking about. We talk about flipping the switch into practice. We talk about, but with middle school kids, it's a little bit different. You got to give them stories, two crabs in a bucket. You put one crab in a bucket, it'll crawl out. You put two crabs in the back bucket, neither one of them crawl out because one keeps pulling the other one down. And so, you know, that's kind of where we get it started. But you know, when you, when you talk about how do we do it, it, it's one of those things that, uh, you can do it numerous different ways. We have, we have three great book studies that we do and we make them make an action plan. We, we have them write quotes, we have them do different things. And then we have them make an action plan at the end. How are you going to be this way in the fall? How do you want to be on the field? How are you going to do it? Okay. So we kind of take that. And then there's things where we do physical things. And, you know, one of them, I, we don't do a lot anymore. We did it when we thought we needed to do it is, and, and it's, and it's, I'm not saying it's the smartest thing in the world, but it's the thing that gets you to think positive about where we're going. And that is simply, we're going to do a hundred yards of bear. We're going to do bear crawls. You go as far as you want. And what we talk about is when you start at one end, don't look at the other end zone you're never going to make it because that's, that's far. If you're going to bear crawl, where do you look? You look a yard in front of you. We're not asking you to go the whole way. We're asking you to go a yard at the time and gain the confidence that you're going to get. I can do a yard. I can do a yard. I can do a yard. And then most of them never realize that they get to the hundred yard mark because they're not focusing on the end. They're focus, focusing at the most minute point, which is one yard at a time. And so we kind, you know, we kind of do it. We kind of do it through books. We kind of do it through stories, and we have physical things that we do. You know, we we have them. You know, you know, do bear or they're I don't know what they're called for sure, but they jump on their backs and they carry them. Okay, how far do you want to go? Doesn't matter to me. You pick how far you want to go. We never say you have to get that way. And what's what's interesting is the guy on the back who's being carried says to the guy and they started to learn this is one more yard one more yard one more yard because guess what happens fourth in one how many times have they heard one more yard and so they're confident that they can get that yard you know what i mean so that's how we kind of teach it and and you know part of it is being tough part of it's being but a, a lot of it is when you look you know, if somebody told me you're going to run 26 miles, I, 
I'd tell you right now, I can never do it. But if somebody told me, hey, can you run 50 meters? Even I can run 50 meters. You know what I mean? Hey, let's run another 50 meters. Let's run another 50 meters. And so you break it down to where it's not such a big goal. It's so little that you know they can accomplish it. Coach, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a great point. That's what got me actually. And I, I was never taught this, but it's what got me through some of our uh, conditioning at the university of Houston. We used to have to push these uh, and it was always the day that they just crushed you, but we used to have to push these, you know, those little tiny sleds that just barely come up off the ground, but they put a bunch of weight up on them and you got to push them up and down the field. And like you said, if you look up and see that you got to push this thing 40 more yards, I mean, it just crushes your whole mindset, your whole soul. Um, I just, like you said, it's funny you say that. I just stared directly down at the ground and tried to just not think of anything. I just yep. tried to blank out my mind. Like you said, stare at the dashes. There'd even be times I'd start counting. I'd be like, do not do not count these dashes. Just stare at the dashes and keep going until you run into somebody because that's when we need to flip it and the next guy goes. Uh, and and I wasn't all that talented or, or – or all that strong, but I did a lot better than most of the guys, you know, my age there, because I just shut off my brain and, and stared at the dashes below me. Well, well, how many kids, you know, and, and you think about this, the, when you say we're going to have a quiz, we're going to have a test. The first question out of their mouth is what? Well, usually what's it going to be about? Well, the same thing we've been talking about in class for the last <laughs> week and a half, but and how, many? how many questions, <laughs> right. how many questions? Nope. A thousand. How can there be a thousand questions? Well, there's not going to be a thousand questions, but here, here's the deal. When you, when you hear a thousand, it's like, well, I don't know that much. You know what I mean? There's no way. Well, there's 10 questions. Well, I can pass that. Yeah, you can, you know? So. I, I love like, I mean, we've, we've done some things when we had like our, our leadership guys and, and so, so many of the kids, like you do, you'd ask them, okay, Hey, something bad happens right? Whatever it might be, you know, it's a bad play. You throw a bad pass, you, you fumble, whatever it might be. It's, it's, it's a, the lesson of what do you say to the guy? You know, and so many kids are like, ask when that happens, what do you say? You know, well, am I bad? Or, you know, you know, Hey, pick it up. We got it. I mean, it's things like that, but it's, it's so powerful for them to hear. And, and I got this from, you know, listening to, to coach Maddox, uh, Dub Maddox had done a few things, but if you're the quarterback and you're the leader or you're whatever, we teach the kids, all you got to do is go up and tell them, Hey man, I still believe in you. Or I believe yeah. in you. I think you can still do it. I mean, just those words like that. And the kids, when they hear it, it's like, Oh, I never would have thought about that. But now you hear him saying, Hey, you got this. I believe in you. And when kids hear that all of a sudden now it kind of becomes again, that brotherhood, that family, that unit, like you're talking about, Hey, you know, so-and-so believes in me instead of, you know, my bad, or I got my, you know, the stuff that they all say, no, I believe in you. I know you're going to be able to do this when our guys started kind of taking it, you know, to that next level, I, I agree with you, man. Like our, our brotherhood, our, our family unit, when, when guys knew how they, how to talk to each other and knew how to, you know, bring each other up. Uh, I, I just feel like it, it's just such a, it's such a simple thing that you just glaze over the top of it. Oh yeah. They know how to talk to each other. They know how to, they know how to lead. They know how to do these things. They really don't <laughs> not at all. And I think there's a lot of coaches out there. It's the same thing. They don't, Hey, Hey, just do it. Just get it done. Well, I'm trying. I need, I need a little bit of help here. I need some encouragement. I need some words. Figuring out how to best communicate to each other just becomes so powerful. Oh, I, th I think you got the greatest point in the world there because I think unless you grow up in a school where there's 100 kids and you know everybody and everybody has to be your friend and you have to hang out with them because that's the town you live in. I mean, like, 
we have eight, 900 kids in, you know, excuse me, Ankeny has, you know, thousand kids or more. Mm-hmm. They're not friends, you know, they're not friends all the time. They don't hang no. out with each other all the time. And so back to what you asked earlier, one of the things that I brought up was our kids, even friends to each other. And so they have to learn to exactly do what you said. They have to learn how to talk to each other. And that was the greatest thing about putting them in units and making them after we get done stretching, we have a three minute mindset question and they have to discuss that in their, their eight groups that we have and simply tell the group, Hey, give us one. And we make them, we start with the basics, the very first day of practice uh, or the very first day that you get to be a unit leader, you write a note to all the people in your group and you send it in the mail or, or we do that. And then we, have to learn everybody in your family's name. You know what I mean? Because we're going to ask you that. And that's a unit challenge. Hey, you're up. Tell me every, every family member in in your family. You know what I mean? So we we have to get to know each other because if you never get to know each other, you you just don't get the best of each other. No, that's, that's also one of my favorite things. Uh, You know, coach Nelson had instituted something like similar for, for choosing captains. He made those guys basically write a, a letter almost like a resume. Here's why I should be the captain. You know, here's what Ankeny football means to me. And here's why I want, I want to lead this team. So uh, again, I think having to verbalize that, having to think about that, having to reflect and sit down and do all those things, you know, the amount of buy-in that you're talking about, I care more about the program because I've thought more about it. I've had to put in these, you know, this time, it's not me just doing mindless work. I've actually thought about these things and reflected about these things and then, you know, like you said, when kids are more bought in, you know, we use, you tell the, the stories, right? That, that's kind of become our rallying cry with, with brotherhood. It's, you know, we see, you see somebody on the street that's in a fight, right? You're pro- you might jump in, you know, if you're a good, good Samaritan or, you know, somebody like that. But if that's your brother or if that's your yep. mother or somebody's going to yep. get, you know, getting mugged or something on the street and you love that person, you'll fight literally to the death. So oh, you won't even, you won't even think about it. You'll just do it automatically. So it's like you teaching those kids that, that bond and you get that buy-in and, and when you really do care about each other at, on a, a family unit loving level, you'll fight so much harder for each other. And, and honestly, I'll, I'll tell anybody, that's probably why we win the state title this last year. We had some talented players, no doubt about it, but anytime adversity hit those guys banded together and those guys fought together. And there was no way they were going to lose those fights because they were so close and they, they cared about each other so much. Well, in, in a couple of years ago, we got beat by Pierre in the regular season, 56 to six. And here we find ourselves four weeks later playing them in the state championship game. And I know the the talk around the state was Pierre, Pierre, you know, that's when they beat Spearfish by 103 to nothing or whatever and you know they basically not just 50 pointed people they 60 70 pointed people and all of a sudden we're in the state championship game and all of a sudden it's at the end of the third quarter and the score is 13 to 9 we're down by four points and we're like wow I'm like this is crazy and our kids just fought at a whole nother level because all those things that we just talked about and they did it and they, and they believed in themselves. And, you know, I don't know, everybody's got their own pregame and their Thursday speech, but ours is never really ever about the opponent. It's always about us. 
And it's about what we have to do and what we have to be like. And, you know, how are we going to be able to, you know, handle adversity during a game? Because let's be honest, we've all been around the block a few times. I don't know about you guys, but I don't know if there's ever been a perfect game where there was no adversity in it. You know what I mean? It, you got to fight out of something every once in a while. And so, you know, that's what we talk about. And that's, you know, exactly what you're talking about is just like you said, when somebody's in a fight down, you know, wherever downtown in your neighborhood, if it's your neighbor, if it's your mom, dad, brother, sister, you jump in and you don't think about it. You know what I mean? Because the love takes over for what's going to happen. That's exactly right, coach. Uh, so, so, you know, getting into a little bit more of the, of the football, you know, side of everything. Um, I'm kind of curious, you know, down, down South Oklahoma, Texas, I think everything that you see as far as high school football, almost all of it is 10, 11 personnel, hurry up, and all the offenses and all the kids and all the defenses are all built around teams being 10, 11 personnel, hurry up. When I think of, you know, call, and, and that's because I think all the college teams around this area are, are like that. When I think of colleges up north, um, I think of more, you know, conventional offenses. I don't know if, even know if that's the right word, but 21 personnel or 22 personnel, tight ends, fullbacks, and and heavier football. Uh, so uh, I guess really my question is, is that the case that you guys see uh, in your district and in, in the guys that you play? What do you guys normally see? And then, um, you know, kind of how are you trying to – I know you got to play with whatever kids you have, but how are you trying to build your team? Well, I think he, the word you're looking for is snow personnel. What happens when it snows? Because we had, <laughs> right. we, we had, we had 12 inches of snow three days before our first playoff game this year. So, you know, you, you have to build it. What's interesting about our seasons, and, you know, I don't know if Ankeny's quite this way or not, but it's kind of like you start out and you can do all of that stuff if that's what you want to do, because any given night in August, it's going to be a hundred degrees. And then you get September where it gets into the seventies, then it gets into the sixties and then you never know what you're going to get from there. So, you know, believe it or not, we are, we are, our favorite formation is a 20 personnel formation. We want an inside run in an RPO to the outside. And that forces teams to play us, in the middle but also if you cheat a linebacker if you cheat somebody we're going to take advantage of that you know we're not a huge tight end uh set offense because one thing you have to do is you have to make sure you have a tight end in your school and even in brookings when there's 900 kids you think you could get one kid that would be six <laughs> two or six three and maybe weighs 210 pounds but it just doesn't happen and so you know we're actually a uh, like I said, 20, 20 personnel. We like two backs, no tight end, uh, two on one side, one on the other. We like trips. We like two by twos. Uh, we do have a couple sets though. I'm not going to kid you from the first guy that I learned from, uh, is an unbalanced set. And we love that. We're going to run that, uh, you know, in the second half, because we want everybody, you know, most teams are going to take away your four or five, six best formations plays. We always like to throw that in in the second half. Do we don't use it every game just to say, hey, did you watch film and did you know we want to do this? And so that's a couple of things that we have a couple unbalanced sets that we like to run. But 
you know, I, I don't know. I don't, we're not a true tight end, tri, tight end team. I mean, like I said, we just don't, we just don't have them. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, even up here, because it gets to the point where the weather uh, gets bad and everybody starts creeping, creeping, creeping. I mean, there's teams that will play nine guys under the hard deck. You know what I mean? If they don't think you're going to spread them out and throw the ball at all, you get nine and 10 guys that are standing a foot and a half from your quarterback. So, you know, we got to, you know, you have to alleviate that pressure of your offensive line and stuff like that. It's and and it's sometimes that's hard for me because I'm an old wing T guy and I used to be in the mindset. I don't care if they put 10 guys in the, in the a gap, we're going to still run trap right. anyway, just block it the way you're supposed to block it. We're going to, we can clean it up, you know, clean it up, clean it up or whatever, you know, but you know, Today, I'm kind of more of the the little more spread, probably a lot more spread. And, okay, defense, what are you going to do? And we're going to take advantage of what you want to take away from us. You want to you add another guy to the box? Fine. We'll go one-on-one with you to the outside, or we'll throw our key screens and things like that. So uh, even though it's, you know, I, I don't think it's, you know, a real wide open offense, we, we like to, you know, try to get that. Well, I'll say 50-50, but, you know, it's more like 70-30, you know, run pass or whatever. So, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like talking with John Weaver and John Torrey. You know, those guys, we always laugh because John's down there in the south and they're throwing the ball, you know, 70 times a game. And we're up here running it 70 times a game. So, uh, you know, that's just the way it works out. Well, coach, if you win two playoff games, then you get perfect weather because then you get to play in the dome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So exactly. That, the, the key is you just got to win those playoff games, right? Yeah, and that's and that's the whole thing. Like you said, you're going to you're going to face, you know, obviously a, a solid opponent first week. And then, you know, you're probably going to face somebody pretty good. At least I know, you know, in 4A, nothing, no different there in 3A and 2A. But you get to the quarterfinals, you're playing somebody pretty solid. They're going to force you to run the ball. It's like you yep. said. So, I mean, in the playoffs you know, no one's saying you got to run, run for 400, 500 yards. It's not going to happen. You know, you're playing against your good defenses, good coaching staffs, things like that, but you better be able to run, you know, for 150 to 200 yards. You better be able to pick up third and ones. You better be able to punch it in when you get the ball close. And then, like you said, if the weather is bad, Hey, we can lean on our defense a little bit uh, and be able to do it. Um, we're always going to have that ability to, to be able to, to run it. But like you said, if that's all you do is run it, you better be pretty dang dominant up front. And, you know, there's been a couple of teams that I've seen in places where you could do that whenever you want, but you still better have at least the, the threat of, you know, throwing something out there and, and being able to, to drop back and, and chuck it a little bit too. Oh, exactly. I mean, it's to the point where, you know, it, it's, you know, I've been around long enough to where there used to be defenses when they were called four fours and six twos and they stood there. You know, that's all you had to watch. You watched a half a game and you knew what they were going to do because nobody ever ran anything, you know, a combination or, or different coverages. It was a four, four cover three. Okay. But you know, nobody does that anymore. Defenses are moving. Defenses are taking things away, you know, as offense evolves, so does the defense. And it's kind of like who has the last check a little bit of, of what's going to go on. And it's just kind of, you know, is some of it may be the weather, but you know, the, the thing that amazes me every year is how many good, and I just don't mean good. I mean, really good high school football coaches there are, 
I mean, it's the days of this guy, he's the, you know, the ag guy, and he really doesn't want to coach football, but he's the head football coach. He does it just because, no, that those days are over. I mean, there's a lot of good football coaches, and there's a lot of good football coaches around the country that, you know, you pick up things from, and it's like, wow, I never thought of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, like, seriously, it, high school-wise, it, it, it's, it's harder. It gets harder and harder because – uh, you see so many different defenses now. And they, and not only that, they change literally from week to week. So, you know, I've, I've, I've had a few people you, you talk to on Twitter and you, you, you have conversations, you put some things up, but they're like, you know, you guys have like contingency plans and you guys have other plays and things you do like, yeah, we have to. And, you know, that's one of the things that Harp and I have, have we, even when we started and we, we would install things of like, Hey, yeah, put the base fronts up, but day two we need to start be you know we need to be, we need to be working all the crazy crap we're going to see because guess what i mean that's 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 the world we have to live in you know i could have this perfect call sheet and all of a sudden now they come out and they play all cover two or they come out and they all play something that they haven't shown it's like man we just got to practice how to play football right and, and what they give us they give us and let's take advantage of it and, and let's go score points that way rather than hey stick to our game plan because this is what we saw on film well and i was probably a little slower than most people but you know, the thing I think that we've done an excellent job at the last few years is really teaching our kids how to play the game of football. You know what I mean? I think when I was a wing T coach, it was pretty simple. You're going to run fullback trap. You're going to open step. You're going to hand off fullbacks going to cut. Boom. There we go. We're going to trap. There we go. And that's all anybody had to know. Quarterback was like, Oh, do you know there's 10 guys in the A gap? I don't care. We'll run fullback trap. You know, kind of like I said before, just because that was our mindset. But now it's kind of like, okay, how many guys are in the box? Where's the apex player? How many are below the hard deck? Hey, how far is that guy? Is You know, as the receiver is running, is he stepping on the defensive back's toes? You know what I mean? It's just all of those things that you have to coach. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things that you, as you develop as a coach, and it just took me probably longer, but it was – giving control to the kids and I think our kids like it I mean when they say who's going to get the ball I don't know who's going to get the ball ask the quarterback after he throws it or hands it off I mean I'm the kind of the last guy who knows who's going to get the ball because we're going to have an inside run of some sort and we're going to have an RPO on the outside I mean and you have to give that up and you have to trust the kids and you know I tell the dads in the dads you know parent night meeting here's the deal you're not, I'm not going to yell at the quarterback because there's five guys in the box and he throws the RPO because it's, it's what he thought was right at the time. And the more you second guess them when you teach it this way, I just think you're headed for disaster. You know what I mean? You got to be positive. You got to ask him, Hey, what did you see? How many was below the hard deck? How many is above it? You know what I mean? How many did you count in the box? And it's, it's kind of like, Hey, and we can learn it and you teach it. And that, that whole, that whole thing goes back to, having a relationship with your quarterback year in and year out, having him come in, watch more tape. You know, if they're making these decisions, they got to watch more tape. They have to understand the game. And really, they're the play caller on the field. You know what I mean? So, you know, and we've been pretty fortunate that we've had some good ones the last few years. And we're, you know, we've been over 30-some points a game and, and you know, three, 400 yards a game and stuff like that. So it's just one of those things that, you know, it, it's not so locked in. I'm not, I'm not a control freak. Like I was probably when in my younger days of when you were running the wing T. I mean, it's just, you just have to let go and you congratulate them when they, 
make a great play, you pat them on the back. And when you, when they don't make a great play, you know what you say to them? I love it. I still believe in you. So that's kind of where we're at with our, with our offense. That's, that's a, a good point. I think that you bring up coach and it's one that, that walls hits on a bunch. If you're going to, you know, let your kids make decisions, then you can't, you know, scream at them or whatever you want to call it. You can't second guess them every time they make the wrong decision. You know, you've got to be comfortable I gave you that decision for a reason. Now, again, stay in the parameters. Maybe let's talk. Maybe you could have made a better yep. decision, but you've got to be okay with them making, you know, a decision that you may not have made uh, in that same situation. Uh, you can't just say, hey, I want to give them all that, give them the opportunity, let them, you know, make their decisions. And then every time it's not the same decision you would make, you know, lose your mind. Yeah. And, you know, it, and I kind of learned that from running inside zone and, you know, you love running inside zone and you got the read, pull it, keep it, whatever. And how many times does a quarterback not really read that correctly? And he gives it, gives it. And the guy comes down, defensive end comes down and makes a tackle. And you're like, okay, he's ready. And now you pull it. And guess what the defensive end does this time comes and kills the quarterback. <laughs> That's right. And it's like, Oh, he'd been going down for the last, 15 times in a row why did he decide this time to you know what I mean so it's it's one of those things as a play caller you you have to learn to shake it off too and kind of just hey keep going with the flow of the game and you know and if you've done your and I always think if you do your job during the week with the quarterbacks and the receivers that makes Friday night a whole lot easier for you I I wholeheartedly agree with the whole conversation here and I think you know Harper says this all the time he's like you know, when you, when you put it on the kid to, you know, to make the call, if it's, if it's on the offensive line or you put it on the quarterback, you know, call protection, whatever it might be, you know, they're going to try to do the best they can because they, they don't want to look bad. I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, like if they're a good athlete and they care about it right there, they're, they have pride, you know, they take more pride in their job because they know, Hey, I want to make the right call here. I'm going to keep continuing to have my freedom. And I want to do it right because I don't want to look embarrassed. I want to win. I want to do the right thing. So like inherently there's like intrinsic motivation for the kid to want to do the right thing. And then, like you said, when they, when they mess up, you know, Hey, it's a, it's a teachable moment, but it's not the kid sabotaging the play. You know, it's, Hey, it's a, it's a certain mistake. It was this, but I just think in the long run, they learn so much more. They want to learn more football because they, they just continue to get more hungry and more hungry you know, for what's the next thing, coach, what can I do to take this to the next level? I just think it, it becomes a, a much more fun game as a coach when you kind of give away some of that control to those kids. And don't, and don't you think practice is much different? You know what I mean? Like when you go to team and, you know, you, we only spend 15, 20 minutes in team because we do a lot of breakout sessions and stuff like that. But, you know, when you go to team, the offensive line knows that, you know what, we're in control of it. You know, we're in control. We got to know what we're doing up front. And they talk and we allow them to talk, obviously, and communicate and stuff. And then you got your quarterback and running backs. But it's it's not like we're running this play just to run this play. We don't really know if we're going to run, like I said, the inside play or get get the ball to the outside. And so everybody's doing their job and everybody communicates more. And, you know, communication before the play is is everything you need is useful i always say and communication after the play is useless because the play's already happened you know what i mean 
no, you can't really talk about it then. You know what I mean? Because you're already into the next place. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I think practice is a lot better because you're, you're exactly right. They, they want to do the right thing and they want to have success and they want to be able to know that, okay, this happens on Friday night. You know, we know how to handle it. I feel like they come back with like better questions too. So like when they, when they do mess up, you know, is the center, yeah. maybe, you know, he, he called the protection, what he felt like might've been the wrong way. It's like, they remember it and then they want to come back and they want to talk to you about it. Like almost instantly. I mean, I don't, I, I can ask, you know, Harper on that too, would, would probably have some, some stories, but I just feeling like that, that engagement in practice, you know, and, and when they have that next kind of free time, they're, they're more likely to seek me out rather than feel like, Oh man, I'm going to get yelled at, you know, they, they kind of want to go seek the answer rather than, uh, the alternative, the kind of hiding. And up front guys, what I always love about them is if you do run inside zone trap, I don't care what your concept is. And he misses a guy. I mean, I get it every year and every game, almost he, the biggest guy on the team comes running over to me and goes, we're going to run that play again. Right. Yep. Do you want to run it again? Yeah. <laughs> Cause I want to get that guy this time. You know what I mean? So they've already thought about, okay, how are we going to block that different? Or how, are, how am I going to get there different, I should say, than the path I took the last time? So they're much more willing to come to you as an offensive coordinator and say, or a head coach and say, hey, I want to run that play again because I want to do it right this time. You know what I mean? I want to redeem myself. I want to prove to everybody that, you know what, this is, this is who I am and I can get the job done. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and Walls brings up a great point. I mean, it's Every quarterback knows they're going to get a little bit of leeway and they're going to make decisions. And uh, I'm sure tailbacks get to make decisions for, for us. It was always great letting the offensive line make some decisions because it's not something they're really used to. I mean, it's, it's something they're like, Oh, you know, they've never had any decisions their whole life. Now, when you give it to them, you know, it's, it makes football more fun. Like you said, it it gives them some buy-in. It makes them remember it the next time it's um, it's, as an offensive lineman, you can get really, really boring. Uh, that makes it a lot of fun. And one thing we do at the end on Wednesdays is we call it reverse practice. And you can call it whatever you want. But, you know, it's always, okay, are we going to condition, not condition on Wednesday? Everybody's got something. And what we do is we, we say, okay, it's reverse, reverse play, which means the offensive linemen are going to go out and be the receivers and quarterbacks and stuff. And the receiver quarterbacks are going to be the offensive line. But then I'll say, you have two minutes to explain your position in this play to the guy that that's, you know, lined up. So the offensive linemen are explaining how to do zone steps to the receivers and the receivers are, you know, here's how you get off. And, and, you know, here's the snap of the quarterback and all that other stuff. And then we'll run something simple like our zone scheme with an RPO on the outside. And those offensive linemen just love that because if we score, then we'll say, oh, we're going to do half conditioning or we're not going to do any conditioning. And that is always the, I always die laughing the most because those kids get so excited by putting the ball on the 10 and having score from the 10 yard line. And what's always interesting is the offensive linemen always hand the ball off at the beginning of the season because they they don't want to condition. They, they want to have at the end, all of a sudden, now you got these offensive linemen, the guy that's you know, 260 pounds, throwing it out to a key three or a key two screen to another 260 pound guy. And they're running into the end zone and everybody thinks it's the greatest thing in the world. And it's just funny, but it built, you know, but at the end, that's a little thing that builds their confidence too. 
And you know what I mean? It's one of those things that you just do as many things as you can to bring that team as tight as you can together. That's, that's exactly right, coach. Um, so, so, you know, obviously coach, um, been doing it for a while. Uh, I was looking up some of your stuff, um, you know, with the mental coaching and, and it looks like, uh, you know, you go around and, and you're available to help other teams, but it also looks like, uh, if this is still the case, looks like your son also helps and, and works with you. Um, if that is still the case, how has that been? I've got to imagine as a guy that's been a coach forever, that's kind of always been the dream. Um, you know, I know me and Coach Walls, both our dads were, were football coaches and and kind of always the the fun thing was to think like, hey, me and dad on the same team or me and dad in the same business or, or you know, whatever that deal is. How has that been? Is that still the case? And, and um, you know, just talk about that a little bit. Well, and it's been great because it's, you know, it's, it's one thing that well, we're a football family, just like you guys, you're, you're probably all football families. And like every football coach, they're football families. And then your kid grows up and he's the ball boy. And I kind of snapped a, or tweeted a picture out on, on Coach Kenny Simpson's, uh, uh, you know, tweet today about have a picture with your kid. You know, he grew up and he was the ball boy forever. And then he got into middle school and he was still the ball boy. He got into high school and then he became the starting quarterback and stuff like that. And then he goes to school and we kind of separate, you know, and, and I was his coach in high school and stuff, obviously. And then, um, you know, he goes off and gets his, his college degree. He's a teacher and a coach. And he was like, well, you know, is there going to be a job for me with you somewhere? And my first advice to him, and, and maybe it's wrong, but it's, it's like, I think every dad needs to do this. And I said, you need to go learn football from somebody else. I mean, you, you've been in our house and you've been on our football team and you've been in the room for, you know, 17 of your years of, you know, knowing what football was about. You need to go learn football from somebody else. And he went out and he, he teaches and coaches at Central Line, George Little Rock. And, you know, he, he learns football from those guys. We talk about football all the time. I think his mom and his wife gets a little mad because no matter what the conversation starts out as, it always ends up in a two by two or a trips, or if you were in a 20 personnel, what would happen? You know what I mean? So uh, it's been awesome. We both are, are mental performance certified coaches from Brian Kane. Uh, we go out together. He's got a lot of great ideas and, you know, it's just, what's awesome to see is just his development as a coach, as a, a guy who believes in mental performance and, and all of those things. And, you know, someday, you know, will we be ever lucky enough to coach on the same team? And, you know, maybe I'll be the guy that's 70 years old that, you know, won't retire, that retire, the, the guy who won't retire on TikTok, you know, and he'll be coaching and I'll just yell at him, catch the ball or why, why'd you do this or why'd you do that? But no, it's, it's been great. And he's been great to deal with. Uh, and, and like I, he calls probably two, three times a week and we'll discuss anything from their offense to our offense to what do we want to do with our mental performance? Uh, you know, you know, what's the next video we're going to create. We kind of, we kind of got on the video thing and then we kind of, it's, you know, getting a new job and stuff and headed to Lamar's that kind of died out because you got to get all those plans squared away and stuff. So no, I, you know, I just don't think a, as a guy as lucky as I am could ask for anything more. Well, I love it, coach. That, that sounds, you know, right up my alley. I'm sure that would be, um, you know, awesome. Like you said, uh, well, you know, kind of rolling up now on an hour, 
but but the one thing I like to ask guys, coach, before we let you go is, you know, when you're watching some other teams, you know, offensive line play, what's some things they could be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? I am a footwork guy. It doesn't matter if it's the old line or quarterback or running back. The first thing that I look at when I watch somebody else's tape is what is the footwork of the offensive line? Because that kind of tells you how well they're coached and how well, you know, they understand their schemes and stuff. You know, obviously you can talk about pad level and hand placement, but I am a offensive line footwork freak. That is my deal. We work on that every day. When people watch us play, I, you know, we, I want them to say that offensive line knew where they were going. So that's probably the biggest thing that I watch. And, you know, it, it's when you watch Saturday, Sunday and other high school teams, you know, it's, it's always interesting to see how people do different things. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, all of a sudden you hear wide zone and you hear, you know, we went from just the regular buck sweep to the jet sweep and the rocket sweep and all those kind of things. So, you know, it's always interesting to see how people do things. And, you know, I've watched a guy run inside veer and it was kind of like, wow, that's interesting. You know, can, could we do that? And things like that. So, you know, I, I think when you, when you watch other people's film, the, the first thing I always look at is the offensive line, uh, you know, and then let's be honest, you look and see how, how well the defensive backs backpedal, what, you know what I mean? And things like that, but it's always kind of the offensive line footwork. And then it's, it's really, Hey, that's a pretty neat little scheme they're running. You know, it's, it's kind of like now you run jet sweep with the fold in the middle with the quarterback and stuff. It's like, huh, those are all cool things that you do. Coach, man, it's been a blast. The hours uh, flown by, but you know, I'm, I'm excited. You know, it's good to have you, you're back in Iowa, you know, back in the home state and, and I know you're going up there to, uh, to Lamar's and take over. So I would imagine you're pretty excited to, to have a new challenge there and, and kind of get after it and at the same time, you know, be a little bit closer to some family and things like that. So it's gotta be an exciting time, but you know, also leaving Brookings gotta be a little bit tough, but Hey man, we're, uh, we're wishing you the best of luck up there at Lamar's. Hey, thanks a bunch. I love being on the show, talking football with you guys. And yeah, there is no doubt. We are excited to get to Lamar's and, and get it going. And you know, the, they built a new stadium a few years ago. That's about as, as, as great as I've seen in a long time. And, you know, it's just going to be one of those things. I think, you know, every coach has to find his, <clears throat> excuse me, his fit. And I think Lamar's is our fit. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt long sleeve or hoodie at runthepower.com also if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app this will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com follow me on twitter at harper underscore coach and coach walls at coach brady walls Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.